Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. All right, it's time for the podcast, and it's another mono a mono a Jacko. Does that make sense? It's me and you having a chat. A doe. A doppio. Yes. A doppio. We're going to continue the conversation that we started in the recent podcast about trading more volume. And that was very much a strength-based conversation about getting, as Jacko called it, insane gains, um, which I've since had quite with him about not using such bro language in my presence. <laughs> yeah. But this week we are talking conditioning and metabolic training and all the guises that that may come under. Yeah, it's something that uh, we've been uh, getting into whilst being in lockdown and what that looks like sort of at home as well as um, getting outside in terms of uh, running. But there's a, certainly a lot of stuff that we can do, whether your improvements are wanting to be more endurance based or whether it's more sort of conditioning based and what that may look like is what we dive into in this podcast. So before we get started, and one of the things that's interesting and relevant to this is around recovery. And if you're going to start training volume, you need to ramp up your recovery strategy a little bit because it's not how much training you can do, it's how much you can recover from. And I know one thing which helps recovery is the wonderful people at Red Light Rising. If you want to find out a bit about the benefits of red light therapy and how that might help, not just you to recover between sessions better, to regenerate and start to be able to put more intensity into future sessions and all the other health benefits that come with it, you can go to redlightrising.co.uk and have a little gander around the multiple scientific evidence-based research papers that you can go and indulge your brain in. Uh, and I'm not being funny, Tim. My, how I feel recovery-wise when I'm coming into my sessions right now is, uh, is different level next level i wouldn't and i wouldn't just say that and i know i've made a number of changes in terms of like diet and lifestyle as well so it's not it's never just one thing um but certainly having um having the benefits in terms of sleep and then what that's doing for my recovery with the with the sort of uh, the, the morning and evening use of the red light therapy i uh, i personally highly recommend it so if you want to get a little bit of a cheeky deal, you can get 5% off any of the Red Light Rising products at their website. If you use the code SOC5, you can go and have a little look around, see what tickles you fancy. And if you want to get on board with some Red Light Therapy like Jacko and I are, go over and see the guys on their website or check them out across their social channels. For the School of Calisthenics podcast listeners, we also have our own treat and offer for you and that is 50% off our online memberships, which means you can get access to all of our training programs and follow them inside the virtual classroom and get support from the coaches and all the amazing people inside the community for as little as four ninety nine a month. And that, Tim, is under £5 for your first month. Crikey. That is, if that's the level of intent, we're going to dive into this podcast, Jacko. I cannot <laughs> wait to get started. Let's stop chatting and let's start delving into some of that wisdom that we are going to share around conditioning. Roll the jingle. So Timbo, let's talk about conditioning uh, and what that might look like for the, uh, in inverted commas, uh, the calisthenics athlete. Um, there's probably a number of avenues uh, that people can go down with this um, and we can, we can touch base on a couple of those, uh, whether it's sort of endurance based, which might be involving some sort of cardio 
whether that's sort of running or cycling. I know a lot of people are doing that for their exercise during uh, during lockdown. Those that allow us to go out for their one day. I think we're allowed un- in the UK. We're allowed unlimited exercise outside now, aren't we? Um, Agreed. <laughs> but also then there's what are people doing that are going to, they're going to want a little bit of a um a little bit of strength work but conditioning based in terms of improving sort of uh, potentially body composition and so sort of some of those metabolic effects that we can get from conditioning workouts using just our own body weight but at the same time if we've got certain goals like handstands or pull-ups or muscle-ups there's certain things that we can make sure that we're doing as part of that work that's actually going to help us along with some of those goals or at least that's that's one of the sort of ideas or philosophies um, behind it but I do just want to set the tone with when we're talking about conditioning um, a lot of the time with the types of questions and the types of things people ask and reach out about is like oh how do you get ripped or how it's it becomes a question of changing aesthetics and um we do stand by our and firmly believe in it is more important what we can do with our bodies rather than how they look um the question around conditioning still comes to uh, improving our cardiovascular health for one thing um and that should be the emphasis being on our performance and what we can do and enjoying that rather than beating ourselves up because we're not happy with how we look yeah and i think there's, there's so many different ways that you, this conversation can can go because let's let's kind of like we talk about our strength and conditioning coaches there'd be two kind of distinct elements with there are we doing a strength session or a conditioning session do you merge the two together fitness if you want to call it that has been um a big kind of growth part of the of the industry, I think, over the recent years, and CrossFit brought that back in, and now we see more kind of what people might deem as functional fitness. And we're talking about sort of yeah, this whole concept of wrapping together strength work, cardiovascular work to get an adaptation. Um, and I think like just to Jacko's point there, like it's okay to feel like you want to change your body composition using conditioning based training. But the the point that we're trying to make around calisthenics is that whilst you're doing that, you can also achieve some pretty cool stuff. And that's hope we hope you're going to find that as, as more rewarding, but there's a lot of people who want to get into calisthenics who might want to, um, to start doing pull-ups for example. And there is no doubt that doing body weight training is easier if you're lighter. So it's my kind of first point for us to talk about is getting a very clear understanding when we're talking about conditioning training of what is the purpose, what are you trying to achieve by the, the design of the session, the type of exercises that you're going to include, the frequency that you do it, the intensity that you're going to go at. Because just with anything, if you lift heavy weights or lighter weights, you're going to get a different adaptation. The same applies in conditioning as to what type of work you're going to do is going to very much then determine the kind of adaptation that you get. And I think one of the things that you, well, it's one of the first things you taught me when I was uh, under your tutelage as becoming a young S&C coach Um was the ask it being able to ask the question why and being able to answer that very very clearly whether you're asking it of yourself or whether you're you know you're you're designing a program for uh, someone else another athlete was why are you doing what you're doing and is it is it are you getting out of it what you want so rather than just deciding to absolutely flog yourself because that's what you think conditioning is based on um you're actually you, you've chosen the exercise selection is related to what you want to work on the reps and the rest periods is giving you the demand and the intensity that you require um rather than it just being doing something because it was a really hard session that someone else did i know that we used to have a um a phrase at rugby that um the context of when you play in a in a sport team that is uh is determined on performance if you 
we went through a phase where if we we had one of our coaches that's very very good very good coach but his his temperament was very different when we lost compared to when we won and so if we lost we did get hammered and we used to use we used to joke about the phrase of more is more and we would just be like right we lost so that would mean we just had extra sessions and more stuff and more fitness um and we were essentially getting flogged as a bit of a punishment uh, which didn't always feel didn't always feel the greatest and i think that's something that we do sometimes to ourselves when we're more of a recreational athlete i know i do it sometimes now you're like you want to work really hard and you want to flog yourself but you have to ask that question why and what is it that you're uh, what is it what is it that you're doing it for and is the things you've chosen to do related to in that session related to the outcome that you actually desire yeah so let's i I guess we can let's work through the spectrum a bit jacko and and just break some of this stuff down because Mm -hmm. there are options to do um conditioning training just purely through body weight only so there's there's lots of different especially during lockdown people have seen these kind of workouts um and ultimately when we're talking about conditioning heart rate is going to be one of the major variables that we are considering what I'm quite a fan of, of heart rate zone training. I think it tells you a lot about where you're at. Um, it, it allows you to be quite specific about adaptations that you're seeking um, because it also is then going to determine work to rest ratios. And the same thing happens like when we are looking at conditioning from a sports perspective. We would always work off uh, work to rest ratios is another quite useful one. So if I want an endurance type adaptation, I might be working a one-to-one. So if it takes me let's say 30 seconds to do an effort, I'm going to get 30 seconds rest in between. Or you might work a one to two. So you've got short rest periods relative to the amount of of the time it takes. If you're doing a 15 second effort, you could even drop that down to sort of a 10 second rest or a 15 second rest. But those work quite well if you put some volume together to get an endurance type adaptation. And and think about what we're talking around that is, um, that's going to build to a level where we are at threshold pretty much. So we're going to get to a point where we're past our our, our, um, aerobic zones and we're starting to get to a point where we can't remove the lactic acid as fast as it's accumulating, the other metabolites that, that, that accumulate at the same time, and therefore the body is going to start to struggle. So we're going to find that threshold point. That's a good place to spend some time because if you want to run or you've got anything which requires a certain amount of endurance, shifting that lactate threshold is a really useful thing to be able to do because it just gives you more more capacity and it's something that we've done a lot in swimming with uh, with runners and athletes that we've done before is we do it we do it all the time with the guys in the water it's like i want to push that lactate threshold in your upper body so that you can actually tolerate more stress when we're yeah. doing a a 400 meter race which could take well, it depends on who you who you are but four to five minutes sometimes for some of the different classifications it could be six minutes um we're starting to think about that's the type of adaptation they want so i want shorter rest periods Whereas if I'm going to go and train, like if we're doing a speed session with a rugby squad, I might be working like one to eight, one to 10, something like that. So if it takes you, if it's a 10 second rest, I'm giving you, uh, sorry, 10 second effort, you're going to get a ton of recovery. Like the guys down at Loughborough in the athletic center, we train down there, they'll do a one, they might do a, let's say a 150, 150 meter sprint, and then they're going to have eight minutes in between efforts. And it doesn't look like they're doing a lot of work, but the whole point is that, that you need that rest period to be able to then get enough recovery in so that your next effort is also going to be max out hard work and you're actually going to get the adaptation that you want from the speed-based training. You must have done loads of that, Jacko, on the rugby pitch. Um, well, probably not not to the degree our sort of speed work was. We do like plyometric work and then often our our speed work would still be like repeatability of, sp- of, of sprints. So speed endurance. Yeah, we didn't actually have... I remember going to see Rich Whitehead do a session, like you're saying, at Loughborough as a sprinter and do like 
you know, they, they do a very comprehensive warm-up and then the session's like three, three 150s, like you said, or something like that with 10, 12 minutes rest or even, you know, like you were saying, in between. And I was like... It takes four hours. What? <laughs> like, you're going like... <laughs> Oh really? Like sprint sessions take forever because they don't need yeah because they don't need the endurance. Whereas we had to continually sprint for eighty minutes or whatever the the game was gonna um, the game was gonna last for. So it's just yeah, it highlights the difference between um, training what or what getting what you train for and making sure that it is specific to what you want to achieve. Um, Yeah, most people are gonna not gonna need to worry too much about that speed that sprint like hard out intensity because you do that to get faster so i just i think using i just wanted to kind of make that point of going yeah. rest period is a fairly good way of determining what kind of adaptation you're going to get um so we can kind of probably for most people it comes down to a conditioning perspective unless you're a, a field-based athlete where you probably want to start thinking about um power endurance which is again a different conversation um but most people where they're going to go and fit into something that they might do in their home gym or in the in the garden or something is going to in a canvas type environment it's going to be more like a an endurance type adaptation where we're going to go quite short rest periods and and pack quite a bit of work in between those give us some of the examples jacko some stuff you've been doing to give a bit of context yeah um well i think it's a case of one of the things is um that this lends itself to is how much time have you got to train and then being most efficient with our with our time um i know uh ross edgley is is big on um you know we've had him on the podcast before and he's uh, he's doing some amazing stuff and one of the things he's really big on is like building up that base that you have of cardiovascular fitness to that everything else then sort of sits on top of um and so having some of that in your training or i found personally when i went to calisthenics in initially and you have that realization of we're just not strong enough you spend all your time working on strength and i probably had from from my rugby days a, a bank of conditioning work to to rely upon um, but eventually those those sort of investments in conditioning that you made year after year after year as you start as you don't do them uh, start to dwindle down and so i've definitely felt from more recently doing a little bit more uh conditioning work um some of the benefits of that so uh, and, and enjoying the fact that we can get depending on how you design those sessions you can get quite a, a decent bit of work done in a short period of time and i know that you know you with um, a, a young family as well and working from home and things are busy that's always uh, that's always of benefit so some of the sessions have been um well, the, one of the other things is how you can make it simple so that mentally it gives you a bit of a break from like the, the skill development you might be doing in your handstand or whatever else it is that you're working on. So there's a number of things here outside of uh, potentially changing body comp or you know losing weight through this type of conditioning work. There's all these other things that you get um, as well of it, which I'm a massive, massive um, fan of. So, um, but in a nutshell, it can be... Um, I'll give you an example of one I did actually earlier today. Um, it was uh, three. It was uh, three exercises back to back, and just setting a um, setting the number of reps and sets that I wanted, having a variety of things uh, that I am happy to work at more lower body base because um, 
almost the the musculature around the around the lower body is is a little bit more designed to keep us uh, moving and working at high intensity and i want to be able to be good at running um so it had uh, and then given a set time period to complete the work in so it was um a, a two minute uh, round where it was 10 burpees with a little uh, a small little box jump or it's a little step <laughs> step jump for me um followed by single leg squats and then i had a core exercise that i have something that i was wanting to to work on for a specific like lever movement um and that was done it took me sort of about a minute 40 um to complete the rep or to complete the round and then i had therefore 20 seconds rest before um before going back in and uh you do a few even if you do say three rounds um that's six minutes of work and that's it you know i'd done some other work in my session that wasn't the only so that was like the end of my session um i'm doing a deload week this week so it wasn't wanting to like do but i could have you know you you could have upped that and do five six rounds or whatever um and work up to sort of like 12 15 12 14 16 minutes of, of work if you want to do it as a, a standalone session but we're still we're not talking about half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour session um to get some of that to get some of that work in yeah and research would suggest that from a health perspective you don't need to do an hour's worth of running or or even go and do a 10k or, or whatever 5k it's short doses of getting the heart rate up from a health perspective is going to be just as beneficial so i think looking at conditioning is quite a flexible thing and and the, the term sort of session finisher has become well well used and if we're not if we're doing a strength-based session we want to put a little bit of, of a sweat on to at the end of it get, setting a 10-minute workout is quite an easy way uh, to get that work in throughout the week finishes a, empties the tank a little bit and if you're doing an upper body session and you're doing some endurance and actually kind of focused and you're then going to throw a few sort of um uh, upper body movements into a condition type workout then you're just going to empty anything that you've got left in the tank you might get some extra benefits from from endurance perspective or hypertrophy perspective um, and i think it's just the, the real kind of thing with this is just to kind of get creative with it but just keep it simple it doesn't need to be complicated um, and complex movements and i think you, you've got that that opportunity as well to, to see how it fits into your training week so we're talking about things that you could do whilst in lockdown at home in your back garden wherever to be able to get that heart rate up the other thing is you've got like you're, you've done this well jack over the over the last few years but like your conditioning work will be out on your bike or it'll be out going yeah. for a run and, and i'm a massive advocate for that because i think like sticking conditioning into a gym environment or a home training environment has got its place and, and as Jacko says we've been doing I've been doing it whilst we've been in in lockdown but there's also a massive benefit for getting out in the woods and having a run and or Karen and I my wife last year or last summer which we're going to pick up when sort of we're, we're able to a bit more freely is get out in the park and we used to do sprint sessions and you can get sprint workouts and, and going through just real simple drills but just maintaining that basic function of being able to run um, run up hills or to, to to run at speed and, and again because our um our lifestyles are kind of lending themselves to quite um we can become quite constrained in how we move and we spend lots of time sitting i'd actually got one of the one of the reasons we put that back in was partly Karen was getting ready for hockey season but i was like i just feel like i've lost that ability to to a bit of turn of pace and mm. um and i wanted to get it back so i think these are options that we have around 
creating these little workouts, but also just probably look up a little bit and, and think, how else do I enjoy training? What else brings me enjoyment? And there's, there's a few things that I like as much from a cardiovascular training perspective as getting out in the woods for a trail run. So that might be what you do for your conditioning work. Um, yeah. So there's, there's always, as always, a number of different variables. And, and that trail run could be sort of half an hour, bit steadier you're not obviously going to go and do like hard out efforts like what jacko was talking there where you're going to be pretty gassed after after two three five six seven rounds but there is benefits of working the heart rate through different zones going out for a run and kind of sitting in that zone three so if you take you if you take a a, we call it rp so rate of perceived exertion but if you're going to go and sit out around six or seven out of ten that's going to be a nice kind of zone three kind of run you start to push up to eight you get in your zone four and then anything like nine upwards and you see starting towards getting getting to more maximal levels but you've always got to remember that if you you can't hold maximum heart rate for long periods of time you're going to have to back off um and i think it's just i I find that quite a useful um way to kind of just gauge what kind of session is that you want to do what kind of adaptation you're looking for yeah, and I think well, ju- just to like highlight one of the really really important points you made there, Tim. That's outside of um, those the specifics of you know, heart rate being getting outside in nature. Um, Tony Riddle, the natural lifestyleist, Sally Bell, um, the functional health doctor, both uh, talked about this on on the podcast. They're they're joining us on the podcast live event actually on the fourteenth of June. Don't forget about that. Um, and uh, that there is that there is huge physical and mental benefits to being outside in nature and doing our doing our training there. And I think that anyone that's tried to do a five k run on a uh, on a treadmill compared to a five k run, like say outside somewhere nice, knows the knows the difference of that. I remember that the first time I tried to do um, a running session on the treadmill post finishing playing rugby, sort of seven years ago, I actually didn't finish it. I, I ran about 500 meters and just stopped. So I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't do this on a treadmill. I just, it just broke me. I just couldn't do it. Um, and, uh, and then there's, there's a few other things like, um, using like we, we've got a little interval, um, loop that we do. It's about three K, uh, from my house and just use lampposts or, uh, there's a particular r- old Range Rover on one of the roads that seems to never move, and one of the one of the intervals is like f- from the end of the road to the Range Rover. I'm just one day that car's going to move, and it's going to be a horrific uh, final sprint to go down. But using um, using some markers like lampposts and that type of stuff over a distance, like I'm quite keen to improve my 5k um, my 5k runs. So like my 5k park runs, it's a decent distance for me, um, and doing some. Doing some interval training around um, around that sort of three k marker means that I'm I'm working in higher intensity uh, for those bouts of effort um, over a, over a reasonable distance. Looking towards know it like John, I mean, I'm not doing it just for the sake of it. I'm doing it because there is a bit of a, a performance outcome that I'm trying to improve my ability on. Um, and we vary those those intervals in terms of uh, how how uh, that rest to uh, rest to work ratio that Tim was talking about at the beginning so it's not always it's not just linear it's not just always always the same each time um but you know you can you can play around with those you can do the same loop but just change uh, the distances that you're either working for or that you're resting for and you can provide that progressive overload that we talk so much about from a strength perspective you can provide that progressive overload even using the same loop that you're doing by just altering those 
uh, intervals sort of each time that you do it gradually um, so you'll see those nice little uh, improvements uh, and like anything just like how when you your handstand gets better it feels great when you when you do one of these one of these runs or whatever it is that you may be doing with your conditioning in it and it feels a bit easier or and therefore you pushed a bit harder or you did it a bit quicker or you did a slightly longer um bout of work you 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 get that same little endorphin rush which um, makes us feel good and you know ultimately at the end and end of the end of the name of the game is to help improve our our physical and, and mental well-being and, and feeling better is is part and part or a huge part of that yeah i think if you if you kind of broadly categorize it you'll often hear um sort of uh terms like hit training like high intensity interval training yeah. or slow steady state training um or they think there's like there's a medium intensity like that bodybuilders love that sort of stuff because they use different forms when they're in different phases of a bulk and a cut or whatever um but ultimately there's value about working across all of those in terms of you could do some more steady state stuff where it's just a nice easy um easy run or you're going to go and work in the more high intensity interval type type zones um and i think it's um yeah to the, to the point where it's I, I one thing i really enjoy about using it like natural terrain and getting out in the woods is yes you're outdoors you're in the trees and and it's just a better place to run for me than running by the side of a road where there's no cars around um but using the natural terrain so i'll often use the there's a 5k loop in some woodland near me and i'll just go and go right, i'm going to hit this bit hard and i'm going to go and run it and it might be one of the hills for example it's got some nice long drag hills up so you're just going to go and spank the hill and you're just going to go hard up it and then when you get to the top you're going to back it off and you're going to drop back down again when i get sort of techie about it i'll go and do some stuff on the heart rate so a lot of people have got heart rate monitors on the watches now so it might be that i'm going to go and run hard and i'm going to go and get up to like zone four nudging zone five i'm going to try and hold that for about a minute or so and then when i've done that i'm going to drop back down and i'll let my heart rate recover at steady state down to zone three when i hit zone three again i'm going to go and pick it up and i'm going to go and drive back up towards zone four zone five and then try and hold it for a minute and you've just got so many different ways of starting to play around with how you create your sessions. It doesn't have to be that that boring. And, and I think that's probably where some of the conditioning type approaches have come from from CrossFit, for example, is like using different things with the gym environment to, to create intensity and variety. But I think there's so many ways that you can do that. And, and ultimately, this conversation comes down to like, what's the best sort of workout? Well, it's the one that you enjoy doing and the ones that you can do on a regular basis. But I definitely think there's value in having variety of through that. I've gone, today I'm going to go and do my conditioning in the woods and I'm going to go and run. Today I've got 20 minutes and I'm going to go and do it in the back garden. And it's just, if you understand what that benefit of that session is, and for some people listening, go like, crikey boys, you're getting a bit technical around this. I just want to get my heart rate up. That's also cool. Like, but just understand that there's different ways that you can do that and there's different benefits of having various types of of, of, um, of stimulus going on in different types of sessions and having tools and ultimately that's what we're always talking about is yeah. like if you've got different options you can apply the different tool for the certain situation that you're in to get the adaptation that you want yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say actually you were it sounded to me like you were describing describing tools that people can we can use and that might be that you you've got different sessions as you say that you can plan to do but then also being giving yourself the freedom that you've got those options that if for whatever reason you don't feel like it or you decide not to or something's changed you can do a session in a different way um it reminds me of when we had andrew tracy on the podcast and how he uh he he could formulate a um a workout anywhere any place with doing anything like and would just um immerse himself in that and uh i think having some of that those options certainly um certainly help us 
particularly those of us that you know that have been in lockdown having the ability to adapt your training and still enjoy your training um has been a has been a really beneficial uh beneficial thing to be to to having some of these tools at, at your disposal i would say right i've got one question for you jacko i'll uh, yeah. i'll tell you mine uh, first so it's often if you're setting a workout and it's like 10 rounds or something or you get you, say you're in a workout and you've it's getting a bit it's getting a bit grotty and um, you're not feeling great and you know when you buy especially when you're training by yourself and i have this all the time but fortunately i'm fairly stubborn so i'm just <laughs> navigating my way through it but like i set off and I go right i'm doing 10 rounds and like by five and six i'm like cracky this is hard like have you got any tips for people as to like how to get through to finishing a workout when you once you've started because if, if you're training at yeah. home by yourself it's quite easy to pull out and just kind of can it yeah I think it's interesting isn't it, it come, there's definitely like this is where like there's some mindset stuff comes in and personality types um I think we're cut from a very relatively similar cloth in that if I say or if you say you're going to do 10 then that means you are going to make sure that you you do 10 whether it's stubborn or whether it's uh, whatever that may be um and then what's actually quite hard to do is if that's how you are, it's hard to imagine not being like that. And what is the mentality when you're not like that? Um, so I guess I can only really draw on uh, probably my own experience of um, of it being a a skill that you need to work on. Um, I always talk about this with mindset. It's, you know, often we see people with those sort of strong mindsets and you think it was just given to them or they were lucky or born with it. And maybe so, but I think... Uh, more often than not those things have been trained in either we've trained it ourselves or it's been it's been trained into us um you know like drilled into you depending on what your experience with previous sports has been so um i know for for many 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 years um i was we were drilled that there was um you had to you had to do what the thing what the thing was because otherwise you're not going to make the improvements that that you want to make and that's just sort of done that for that long that it, it think it just it just carries through um but there's definitely a time and a place say, oh sorry no go on carry on yeah i was just going to say there's a, there, there is a time and a place to go you know so all that said there's definitely still times where i've planned to do something and then for whatever reason it gets to a certain point to go you know what like this and this is something that's actually really like quite challenging for me and i'm only just managing to get my head around it um because again one of the things i was taught to do and trained to do was from a from a rugby background perspective was that you just got through things and you had to work through it and whether if that meant that you just put more tape on the injury that that you you did it um and that's not that's not nurturing and, and investing in your physical pension nurturing your body like now as a recreational athlete um and so there are times now where I'm trying to be better at going there's a di- right, right there's a difference between something not feeling right because you've like tweaked something and just that lactate burn that you that you're working through and understanding the difference between those two sensations and those two feelings allows you to make an educated decision on well now I'm just now working hard and I'm in threshold compared to okay uh, i feel like my shoulder's about to or my knee's about to blow up if i do another rep of this and i need that's when you need to that's when we need to stop this that's why i just wanted that point i tried to make at the beginning of 
conditioning doesn't mean flogging yourself mm. and just trying to like hurt yourself that that's a potentially a misconception and and sort of on that in that vein there was one thing i just wanted to mention was um when you design as tim said at the beginning knowing what you're trying to achieve if you're designing your um and choosing your exercise selection for some conditioning work and you're choosing to do like some strength-based stuff if you've if that you've got a load of um pull-up work or uh handstand push-up work for example in your sort of strength training for some of the goals you've got maybe you want to do frog to handstand or, or a muscle up in your in your training you're probably in this virtual classroom following some of the uh, online programs uh, then choosing to do pull-ups and push-ups and pipe push-ups as part of your conditioning session as well that you have to ask yourself the question am i overloading those patterns and why don't actually i make my um my conditioning work a little bit more lower body based or you know just working on something something else rather than overdoing the same the same patterns as it were because the other thing is the harder the exercise you choose from a strength perspective in terms of like intensity related to like percentage one rm the more likely technique is going to get uh what's the word i'm looking for compromised as you get more tired so there's advantages to having things, as Tim said, simple, because that allows you to focus on the conditioning element of it and not having to worry about the maximal strength and uh, technique required at those higher um, strength intensities. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's probably my take-home point from from this for most people is, is to, to just to make sure that, like for us, movement quality is such a priority. If you are getting to a point where you're moving badly through fatigue, then you need to change the variables because all you're going to be doing is grinding like joints and, and movements into bad positions, which is going to start to contribute to injury. Um, and you're also just going to be teaching yourself that that's an acceptable way to move. So if, for example, you've got pull-ups in a conditioning session and you're supposed to be doing five or eight or whatever, and you're starting to get to a point where you can't recover, so you're just like, the movement is just looking really ropey then just have the humility to scale it back, um, understand and recognize where you're at, and then just start to build that strength through dedicated strength training so you can bring that into um, a conditioning workout. And, and it, it, we reinforce it all the time, but it's just a great example of you've got to earn the right to progress. So you need a basic amount of strength, of, of just basic fundamental force production in basic patterns to then go and use them in a conditioning type approach. And, and that's probably one of the things of, of the downfalls of, of some forms of fitness and including CrossFit in that, of just not having the, the earned the right to go and play at that level, but still trying to use movements which you haven't got a great competency with um, for conditioning purpose. Um, so I think it's just being intelligent with it, treat your body with the respect that it, it deserves in terms of um, allowing it to continue to move well and humiliate, uh, humiliate humble yourself <laughs> um, to make sure that you continue to maintain uh, movement quality. And, and my last point, Jack, and then we can wrap it up, I think is just yeah. Um, around yeah getting through those workouts. So I, I've always been... As a coach, I, my philosophy when I was doing a lot of SNC work with squads and athletes is I would never ask a squad or an athlete to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. I might not be as good at it, but I would always do it. So I, if I was ever wrote a session, I was like, would I do this session? Because I think that keeps you really honest as a coach. Um, and then I would never let them. If I, set, if I put some thought into that session and then gave it to them, I wouldn't let them go, do you know what, six is enough, unless I started to see them move badly or change the session in some way. But yeah. I think it comes down to that as I hold myself accountable to that session. So if I said I'm going to do 10, 
Right, I've obviously thought at the start of the workout that I could do 10. And um, it's that phrase, isn't it? It's like the, the, the body is willing, but the mind is weak. It's a game against yourself. And can you compete against yourself to get yourself through that workout? Because you know you, like, you, know you can dig a bit deeper than we probably think you can in that mm. moment. And what I know from so many people, and myself included, when we've done fitness-based tests before, bleep tests, yo-yo tests, whatever, so many people finish before they're done. VO2 max test is the same. Everyone finishes and goes, I could have done one more because they, they, they give up a little bit mm. too early. So you have got that reserve in you. And those people that did really well in fitness tests and those people that were, were sort of really got hold of this conditioning efforts um, or conditioning type work have just got a really good understanding of, of what they are actually capable of. Um, so when it does get a bit dark and a bit gritty and you're sort of in the, in the, the, <laughs> the doldrums a little bit around thinking, I don't think I can finish this workout, just remember that you have got a little bit more to give than yeah. what you probably think you have. And it's just a matter of keep moving, keep moving. Unless you're moving like a turd and then <laughs> yeah. wind it back a little bit. Well, we called it the red zone back in the day. Yeah. And it was, yeah. the, the, as you said, the, the red zone is 100% a mindset game. And just to reiterate that point, like you can, train, you can train your mind the same as you can train your body. And you need to. You need to get used to what that feels like. And you have to push yourself and realize it was okay. And then next time you can push yourself a little bit further. And it's the same, it's the same principles that we talk about with, with anything of that sort of progressive overload. But do, do believe that you can train your mind to be stronger at that when you're in that red zone um, because you 100% can. You just have to go there and you have to experience it and you have to deal with it and, um, and come out the other side of it and just keep repeating yourself through that process. But as Tim says, make sure you're not moving like a turd when you're doing it. Technical sports science too. <laughs> I just wanted to say before we just just uh, my final thing before we sign off is I can't we can't mention working hard and, and conditioning without um, talk just mentioning the fact that um, when you ch- when you are doing this thinking about how and where how and where you're breathing from um, is a, is a massive element and those that listened um, just sort of signpost you to the podcast 121 was with Patrick McKeown for the oxygen advantage that talks about the importance of nasal breathing uh, in and out through the nose uh, during exercise when you first try to do it, it you feel like you can't I couldn't run to the flipping bus stop um, which is just at the end of my road uh, whereas now I'll do I can I can manage all of completely all of my uh, conditioning work purely nasal breathing but it that is a it definitely feels like you're redefining your impossible when you first start that but there is uh, very well documented uh, benefits to that and reasons holistically as well as from your conditioning point of view as why there why you would want to be encouraging yourself to challenge your yourself to nasal breathe uh, during what well, during rest as well as during uh, your conditioning work and i highly recommend uh, listening to that podcast and uh, reading his book the oxygen advantage we'll put some we'll put the links in the show notes for that podcast and uh, and the book yeah, i think just on that one for me it's, it's just remember the, the context of how you're going to use it and to start off with you might just choose to do it through recovery periods just to yeah. try and control that you're not <laughs> because yeah. there is going to be a red line of like it's not it's not going to be physiologically possible and i asked patrick this question when we when we interviewed him about if you someone is going like hard out 
can you just only ever get to a point where your nasal breathing? It's like, probably not. You're going to have to kind of get some more oxygen in. Um, but it's, it's, again, using that and understanding that variable as part of how is that intensity of that training session going to be affected by nasal breathing, but throw it into the mix of how is that whole system then going to benefit as a, as a, as a, in its entirety rather than just like, can I smash out a load of ugly work? Well, maybe do, you don't have to work quite as hard, but you, you're training some breathing mechanics at the same time, and that's giving you a, a greater adaptation or greater response cumulatively um so some interesting stuff to think about um, yeah. and definitely go and check out that part you would have to yeah you would effectively have to alter your intensity if you wanted to if you wanted yeah. to solely do it at the start but with the, the the basis is like gradually build up the amount that you're doing and the intensity that you can do it at but you will see you will see big changes i promise you yeah, and I think one of the interesting things about that, just to go off topic, is that if you are nasal breathing and your intensity drops, you're still going to hit lactate threshold because you're at the point where you aren't able to remove the waste products fast enough because you're, you're effectively not, not bringing in as much um, oxygen as you would be or air as you would be or expiring in as much as you would be through your mouth. So it is a, it's, even though it might feel like you're not working as hard, physiologically you're still putting a great deal of stress on your system. Um, so yeah, have a play around with it and, um, and see how you get on. Great, hundred percent. Yeah, love it. Right, so that is the end of this podcast, and I hope you guys are enjoying. If it's uh, if you're getting into some conditioning work, keep us posted. Tag us into whatever you're doing on social. There's a nice little bit of inspiration available for everybody who can see and, and draw from other people's experiences. So let us know what you're doing. Tag us in. Keep us posted with your training. And I don't think Jacko, there is anything else to say. Is uh, there? I just wanted to say, reminder for people that mm. the podcast live, we've got the best guests from the podcast all coming together on the 14th of June, um, which is uh, Sunday coming, I believe, uh, but certainly the 14th of June, uh, all day, we've literally got the 12 absolute banging guests for the podcast, everyone from Patrick McKeon himself to Move You, um, We've got the natural lifestyleist, Dr. Sally Bell. We mentioned we've got Ollie March. We've, we've literally gone the best guests that we've had. We've asked them to join us live on Instagram. So it's free for everybody. You just have to uh, check out the website with the, uh, we'll put the links in the show notes. We've got the full schedule of when the different guests are on. You're probably going to want to join us all day because there's absolutely, every guest is an absolute knockout. Um, but you'll be able to see the guests that we've got. And it's the chance to interact live, ask your questions uh, speak to the guests themselves and uh, those that have got some practical sort of elements to what they do are going to be able to give us all a little bit of a, uh, a demonstration sort of uh, chance to experience what it is that they teach. Well, there definitely was more to say, so I'll try again. <laughs> so, Jacko, I don't think there's anything else to say other than... Till next time. Class dismissed. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please (laughs) and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed